first episode. The cellar. Sabia's house was so remote that electricity was rare. Only now and then did the light in the corridor flicker eerily, and even more rarely did the electric oven work. Recently, power outages had increased. Oil heating was out of the question for financial reasons alone. Sabia had been given the house, with which she had developed something of a love-hate relationship, by her grandmother. She was not a woman who liked to bask in company, and she liked to retreat here after her strenuous day's work as a nurse, to this mystical region of trees whose roots and thick trunks were overgrown with moss. She sullenly silenced the alarm clock. It was 5.30, and Sabia's morning ritual was calculated so that she didn't waste a minute and was in the department at 7 o'clock sharp. When she sat on the toilet, she immediately got goosebumps all over her body because the stone tiles in the narrow bathroom were so cold. Sabia had misplaced the slippers. She was anything but a neat freak. She never showered in the morning. That would have only made her mood worse. This also gave her more time for breakfast, which she attached great importance to. Muesli, fresh fruit, orange juice, at least two full coffee cups and six-grain bread from the so-called non-nent fortune. Next to the Elfenberg Care and Retirement Center where she worked, a small shop had actually been run by three nuns in the third generation for over a hundred years, and everything an eco-friendly heart could desire was piled up there, every conceivable type of grain and flour, dried fruit, beer from the monastery brewery, vegetables in all colors and variations. The groceries were outrageously expensive, but Sabia had gotten used to shopping there after her working days before hopping on her dark green Vespa and zooming through the small village. She only rarely stopped at the folk store, for cosmetics, household and hygiene items. She didn't need anything more. The windows of Sabia's kitchen were steamed up and looked as if they had been touched by an ugly woodsman, and perhaps he really existed somewhere, the woodsman who frightened walkers at night, then hid behind a damp wooden spatula and grinned maliciously, feeling cold. Sabia went back to her bedroom and hurried to get dressed so that the cold wouldn't creep up on her any further. As she did every morning, she was annoyed that her hand-knitted pale blue sweater only half-covered her ass, and even her static-charged, sizzling hair was enough to make her mood even worse. She only had three residents to look after. The 95-year-old Miss Hull, the 78-year-old Mr. Rothenbuhler and the 59-year-old Miss Elsenmayer, who actually wanted to be addressed as Miss. The three residents covered very well the spectrum of people who had lived in the 20th century and were just vegetating a little in the 21st century. Post-war modesty, savings generation cynicism, and a touch of madness that now clings to many nursing and retirement homes, in times when dementia-related changes are increasing. Then, in one fell swoop, everything changed. It started with a rumbling in the basement. Sabia slowly lowered the coffee cup. What was that noise? She had felt like she could hear noises before. But she always assumed she was wrong. Even as a child, when she visited her grandmother, she sometimes felt uncomfortable in the house that now belonged to her. When she asked her grandmother about it, she always heard the same unsatisfactory answers. Her grandmother accused her of having a vivid imagination. But what happened here had nothing to do with imagination. What should she do now? Go down to the basement and take a look not a really pleasant thought. The hairs on the back of Sabia's neck stood up. But she probably had no other choice to get to the bottom of the matter. With a sigh she rose from her chair. Maybe she should take something to defend herself. But what? She had no weapons in the house. Well, she could grab a knife from the kitchen. 
Or would you rather use a frying pan? Sabia, pull yourself together, what could be lurking in the basement? She thought to herself. She opened the top drawer of the kitchen counter and grabbed the flashlight. With hesitant steps she walked towards the cellar door and pressed the door handle. She turned on the light switch, but nothing happened. Shit, Jay of all people are now. But she had suspected it. Luckily she had the flashlight with her. Sabia gathered all her courage and put her foot on the first step, it was the point of no return. Sabia was suddenly aware of what it would mean if she went into the depths. She would be way late for work. Miss Hull, Mr. Rothenbuhler and Miss Elsenmayer would wait in vain for them and toss and turn restlessly in their beds, because all three were dependent on support with mobilization. She had also promised Miss Hull the day before that she would take care of her toenails again. Miss Hull wanted lime green, shiny metallic paint. She was a well-groomed woman, and her eyes always lit up with anticipation when Sabia braided her silver hair in front of the mirror. She had certainly once been a man's crush, completely different from Miss Elsenmayer, who at fifty-nine years old already seemed so haggard, as if she had always been neglected in life. Mr. Rothenbuhler, on the other hand, was a bon vivant, even at the age of seventy-eight, and he didn't miss anything that brought pleasure and joy. That's what he looked like too. A little worn out, but with mischief in his eyes. Sabia's heart was pounding. What on earth would await her down there? Again she had to think about the three residents she had to look after, but also about the stern look of her superior, nursing manager Kathy Emenmere. Sister Kathy, as everyone called her, also had her good sides. But there was one point where she wasn't having fun, when her employees were late. Sabia probably wouldn't show up at all. She found herself in a dilemma, if she closed the cellar door and went outside to her Vesper, she risked having her house robbed in the meantime. If she went into the basement, she might be putting her life at risk. Deciding to risk her life, she took a deep breath and climbed down the basement stairs. Even as a child, she had dreaded these stairs when she accompanied her grandmother into the two pantries where at least twenty different types of jam were waiting to be eaten. Sabia was terrified of spiders, and there were no shortage of them in this semi-dark stairwell. Then she froze. The rotten basement floor had collapsed and there was a yawning emptiness beneath it. It occurred to Sabia that her grandmother had made a bit of money as a fortune teller and interpreter of dreams. When Sabia had once dreamed that the ground had collapsed from under her and she had anxiously sought refuge in her grandmother's bed, she had been taken in her arms and comforted. Oh, Sabia, she had said, that's okay. This dream simply means that you lack a little self-confidence. Come on, let's collect mushrooms in our forest in the morning, so you can show me how well you can distinguish between the varieties. Sabia had never forgotten those words. She pressed her hands over her mouth to keep from screaming. In the glow of the flashlight she saw that the wooden floor, which was made of thick oak planks, had not collapsed on its own. There were people at work. She saw a glittering silver spade, a dark red flashlight, two headlamps and a ladder leading down. Thick metal rods were also driven into the sides of the walls to provide support. Someone had dug an underground corridor that ended just below the basement floor of Sabia's house. Presumably there was always work going on when Sabia worked in the Elfenberg during the day. That's why she had never heard the noise that would undoubtedly arise when someone cleared an underground passage. Where did this corridor lead? Sabia was still barefoot, and the cold tickled unpleasantly on the soles of her feet. Her temples throbbed. There was only one run-down farm in the immediate vicinity, 
which she always avoided on her Vespa. It was lived and managed by twin brothers. They were around 35 years old, but only looked alike. In terms of their manner, their demeanor and their character, they couldn't have been more different. Nathan was friendly and open, and he seemed strangely well-groomed. He was the kind of man who hardly needs to do anything for his appearance, nature had given him natural beauty and charisma, he was always helpful to Sabia, had already shopped for her when she was sick and occasionally brought her apples or berries from his huge garden, which he managed alone. What Sabia particularly appreciated about him was that he left her alone as a woman and didn't want anything more from her than a friendly hello every now and then. He once confided to her that he was extremely lonely because he didn't talk to his brother. But he didn't want Sabia's pity. He just needed someone to talk to. During this conversation they were interrupted by Martinus, the twin brother. He had pushed himself between the two of them and was fiddling with the garden fence, as if Nathan and Sabia didn't exist. Martinus' devilish grin, which he wore whenever he saw Sabia, deeply disturbed her. He didn't speak to her, just stared at her with hungry eyes. He harmed his brother as much as he could, and yet the two of them were fatefully chained together, like Siamese twins, although physically autonomous and therefore independent of each other. Martinus had never done anything to Sabia, but the aura of evil surrounded him. It was astonishing to her to see that the same face, Nathan's, was beautiful and even, with an open, alert gaze, a prominent nose and a sensual mouth, while Martinus's likeness consisted of narrow eye slits and a downwardly contorted mouth. In contrast to his brother, he often appeared unkempt, had calloused hands and limped as if he were the devil himself. Had Martinus dug this corridor to get to her? Secretly, at night, when his deeply sleeping brother had no suspicions? Sabia shuddered and decided to call for help immediately. Her smartphone had inexplicably stopped working and she was unable to inform Sister Kathy of her absence, which would certainly have resulted in a warning. Sabia was now completely on her own, and she was gripped by something she had inherited from her grandmother, curiosity, inexhaustible curiosity. Sabia wanted to know what was going on, returned to the kitchen, slipped on her boots, see deep into the cellar and climbed into the darkness, to where evil lurked. The fear was gone, curiosity had taken over. She just had to find out where the tunnel led. Her professional obligations had completely taken a back seat. Sabia suppressed the fact that the three old people in the Elfenberg needed her help or what consequences it might have if she didn't show up. Kathy M. N. Mir would definitely rage, loudly point out to Sabia her dereliction of duty and perhaps warn her off. Or even fired? No, this scenario would probably not happen. Otherwise, Sabia did her work in an exemplary manner. And despite their personal differences, Sister Kathy knew exactly what she wanted in Nurse Sabia. She was the cog that kept the business running smoothly. And she was the only one who could cope with Mrs. Hull's moods and also dared to put her in her place on occasion when Mrs. Hull went too crazy. Sabia didn't waste a single thought on that at that moment. What mattered now was the tunnel, here in her basement, stretching beneath the rotten wooden floor. She checked the flashlight again to make sure it really worked. She didn't want any nasty surprises and find herself in a pitch-dark tunnel. Of all people, she was the one who avoided narrow, dark and spider-infested spaces, and now, armed only with a flashlight, she climbed down the ladder into the unknown. When she reached the bottom, she closed her eyes briefly and took a deep breath. She carefully opened her eyes again and let her gaze wander around. Someone had done a great job. 
The tunnel ceiling and walls were supported with beams. A certain level of security was therefore ensured. It would be even nicer to be buried down here. Sabia entered the tunnel in a bent position and determinedly set out on her journey of discovery. With her head bowed, she followed the beam of her flashlight. Oh dear, what was that noise? Sabia stood rooted to the spot, listened carefully and scanned the surrounding area. Then a huge figure appeared in the beam of light. Sabia froze at the outline. It wasn't entirely clear who felt more fear. The rat stood up on its hind legs, making it appear even larger and more threatening. It almost looked as if she was tilting her head slightly to the side and examining Sabia. But the rat didn't seem very impressed, a blink of an eye later she disappeared with a gasp into the darkness of the tunnel. Sabia slowly freed herself from her petrification and continued on her way. What was that? The rat again, but this time accompanied by its fellow rats? No, she heard heavy footsteps and voices. Were they the tunnel builders? She had to disappear as quickly as possible. But it was too late. The beam of her flashlight had given her away. Stop. She heard a sonorous male voice and it radiated a certainty that allowed no contradiction. Sabia cursed herself for even embarking on this adventure. Two middle-aged men blocked her path. One was 35-year-old Martinus, one of the twin brothers from the neighboring Platonhof. Even before Sabia registered his face, she recognized him by his stocky figure. He narrowed his eyes at her mockingly and told her to turn off her flashlight. Sabia obeyed mechanically. Sabia recognized the man next to Martinus as the assistant doctor who came to Elfenberg once a week and checked the patient's vital signs. There was hardly anything else to do. Some of the patients were severely affected by their dementia, there were nursing care concepts such as basal stimulation. However, the medical profession was helpless in the face of the mental deterioration of these people. And when doctors are helpless, they measure vital signs, listen to the chest or prescribe an infusion. Ambrosius Lemma, the assistant doctor, gave Sabia mixed feelings when she met him on rounds. Externally he was extremely attractive with his black curls, fine nose and deep brown eyes, in which she sometimes almost threatened to sink. But there was often an energetic strain around his mouth. Lemma was extremely ambitious, and he endured the fact that he had no clear treatment strategy for Alzheimer's disease. He was slim and muscular, and Sabia suspected he sweated every night at some gym. You couldn't get a body like that without doing something for it. She thought quickly. What did the two of them, the dull, gloomy Martinus and the ambitious assistant doctor, have to do with each other? Was there any chance of escape for them? What were they planning to do with her? With a strong grip, Martinus took Sabia's left wrist and pulled her into a side passage that she had not yet discovered. He pushed open a door with his foot and pushed Sabia into a room about 30 square meters in size. It was the most bizarre room she had ever seen. It was lit by three stand lamps. Sabia wondered where the electricity came from. In the middle of the room there was a white, oblong table that could be turned in all conceivable directions, and above this table was a massive operating lamp. Otherwise the room was crammed with antiques, chairs and a sofa from the Biedermeier period, a baroque-looking bar table and an enormous piece of furniture made of tropical wood on which ivory figures were lined up. Sabia knew these items. The last time she had seen her was in Mrs. Hull's room. Ms. Hull was her strangest, if most fascinating, patient. She was 95 years old and extremely agile for her age. She moved like a big cat and might jump at the nursing staff from behind. 
It was quite difficult to get rid of her because she gripped her victims with amazing strength. Sabia had also experienced such attacks several times and had escaped with bruises on her upper arms. Sabia was also fascinated by Ms. Hull's language skills, German, French, English, Italian, Russian, and Swedish. Every evening she used a different language. Sabia was still able to keep up with French and English, but at the latest she was over with Italian. An air of madness surrounded Miss Hull as she was completely undiagnosed. The mini-mental test, which she had to be convinced to take over several months, had revealed nothing, nor had the computer tomogram of her brain. Miss Hull was not demented in the classic sense, quite the opposite, she had a phenomenal memory and an extremely eloquent way of expressing herself. Contentedly, she sipped her eggnog night after night and used her many languages. But nobody knew her biography. One day she was just there at the Elfenberg Nursing and Retirement Center where Sabia worked, and Sister Kathy was always very reserved when the subject of Miss Hull came up. She knew something, sure, but she kept it a secret from everyone. Then Sabia pressed her hands to her mouth in fright, Miss Hull was lying on the modern examination table. She was covered with a sheet and staring at the ceiling. Sabia approached her hesitantly, reaching for her hand. Mrs. Hull's hand was ice cold. Sabia's eyes filled with tears. Did Martinus and Ambrosius Lemma kill the old woman? Have you exposed yourself to any experiments here, deep underground? Several thoughts flashed through Sabia's head at once. There was clearly something sinister going on here. This underground tunnel system must have been dug for years without their knowledge. Where did all these tunnels lead? And for what? The distance between Sabia's house and the nursing home where she worked was about two kilometers. If Miss Hull was down here, could there be a two-kilometer-long tunnel extending underground to transport patients, staff and supplies? You beat us to it, Sabia, she heard the deep voice of Ambrosius Lemma behind her. Something went wrong. The numerous deep drillings and the associated micro-vibrations may have caused the basement floor in your house to become unstable and collapse. But we need you down here. You are in the place we want you to be. We had planned to meet you in the cloakroom after work and bring you here. Now you have come yourself, voluntarily, so to speak. He chuckled, as if he had made a good joke. Come. Sabia took one last look at Miss Hull and paused. Then she saw it. A fine notch on Mrs. Hull's temple. The figure on the examination table was apparently a replica made of silicone or another plastic. There was no corpse in front of Sabia, but rather the lifeless copy of her favorite resident. Come, Ambrosius Lemma said again, in a slightly sharper tone than before. He pushed open another door that led into an adjoining room. Glaring light blinded Sabia and she couldn't believe her eyes. The room was crammed with wires, electrical boards, hard drives, blinking lights and potentiometers. Three little men, Chinese, as Sabia made out without a doubt, were busily rummaging through all this equipment. But the most surprising thing were four figures standing motionless in the middle of the room. One of them was undoubtedly a replica of Sister Kathy. She was dressed in a tunic and her electronic eyes flashed at the speechless Sabia. Sabia also recognized one of the other figures immediately. It was a somewhat poorly designed copy of Sam the home craftsman. He was wearing blue overalls. The ears stuck out, like a hobbit, and in the place of the eyes there were two empty sockets. The other two figures were naked, without heads and therefore not easily identifiable, but were probably also planned replicas of members of the home staff. What had she gotten herself into? 
Why did Ambrosius and Martinus want them down here in the catacombs? Would the two men have been really serious and simply kidnapped her while she was at work? To kidnap them through the tunnel into these eerie rooms? And what role did the three hard-working Chinese play? What kind of electronic equipment were they working on with great concentration? Sabia's thoughts wandered back to the first room, to the strangely thrown-together objects. Amidst all the antiques, the cold modern examination table under the huge operating lamp. A shiver came over her as she thought of the cold artificial body under the sheet. The perfect lifeless copy of her otherwise agile and aggressive patient, Miss Hull. Who was this woman, what had she experienced in the past ninety-five years? What secrets did she have to hide from the world? In any case, Sabia could not rule out the possibility that Mrs. Hull's life held a secret. Whenever she asked questions to learn more about Miss Hull's life, she was met with icy silence, both from Miss Hull herself and from Sister Cathy. The question arose as to how privy to Miss Hull's past Sister Cathy was. Then Sabia was brought out of her musings. Well, have you greeted your friends yet? Ambrosius Lemma said quietly. He stood so close to her that their shoulders touched. Sabia's hairs on her arms and neck stood up. She was completely emotionally torn. On the one hand, she felt rather uncomfortable around Ambrosius. But on the other hand, she found his presence exciting. As soon as he showed up at Elfenberg for his weekly visit, her heart began to beat wildly. Sometimes she was even afraid, it could jump out of her chest. She also began to sweat under her armpits and on her hands. Of course, without showing anything, she melted and couldn't utter a sensible word. Whether she wanted to or not, Sabia had to admit to herself that she was in love with the young intern. He had long since recognized her feelings for him. It gave him a certain satisfaction to embarrass her every now and then. But in this place she just felt intimidated by him. Sabia cast a fearful look at Martinus. What could she expect from him? He seemed completely uninterested, completely calm, not making any facial expressions, he just stood there. The three Chinese were so absorbed in their work that they didn't notice Sabia's presence. Now she took a closer look at the four lifeless figures in front of her. It was unbelievable how real these doppelgangers looked. The avatar of the house craftsman, with his blue work coat, looked exactly like the original, apart from the misplaced ears and the too low forehead. Even the grim expression on his lips was perfectly executed. How could you make such magnificent replicas of people? Who created them? And why? Then Sabia's gaze settled on Sister Cathy's avatar, her electronically glowing eyes hypnotized her. Those blinking eyes were the only inhuman thing about the motionless figure standing before her. Sabia felt like she was in a wax museum. A penny for your thoughts. Martinus heard with a sarcastic undertone. He approached Sabia very carefully, without taking his eyes off her. As always, she felt very uncomfortable when he looked at her like that. She could feel the warmth of his body, he was so close to her. And, do you recognize yourself in your doppelganger? He asked her the question with raised eyebrows. Sabia no longer understood the world. But then it slowly dawned on her that one of the two headless figures was intended to be her double. What was expected of her? Would she sit as a model so that the missing head could be made and the body modeled according to her proportions? 